0: Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menuno's, your life improvement series starts now.
1: Okay, who is ready to be fearless? Who is ready to let fear stop controlling our lives i know i am it's kelsey and you guys are going to be obsessed with today's episode we have monica berg and she's teaching us how to be a change junkie how to learn to love the unknown to love change get ready because you're about to let go of all your fear no more fear after today's episode you're going to be fearless and flying i'm so excited for everyone take those notes go in and listen with an open mind and open heart and enjoy And please, please, please leave us that five-star review and rating if you haven't yet. It really helps the show and it means a lot to us. Okay, heel Squad, enjoy.
0: Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day, right alongside you. If you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you are on some kind of journey and now you're gonna be on it with us. Thank you for coming to us. Our quote of the day, Once you decide fear isn't an option, you are left with only the choice to change, to shift your consciousness or to take action. Think about it this way. What would you do if you weren't afraid? And then we go one more and I'll tell you who it's from after. One of our greatest strengths is our power to change the way we see things. Once you've made a small change, do it again. Your small changes will lead to great change. Friends, that is from Monica berg our guest today we'll tell you all about her in a second but Heel squad welcome back thanks for being with us uh today like i said we're going to be chatting with monica berg all about fear and how fear is not a good option for us (laughs) plus our relationships and the most important relationship of all and that is with ourselves how we can overcome fear and build our self-love and self-worth she is an international speaker spiritual thought leader. She is the author of fear is not an option and rethink love. She serves as chief communications officer for the Kabbalah center international and makes it her mission to show people how to take care of themselves, not just physically, but emotionally too. Um, She believes that everyone has the power to create the life that they desire. And she wants to show others how they can create a life that not only feels like it's working, But most importantly, a life, let me put this on my laptop, a life in which they're living and loving as the powerful, fulfilled person they've always wanted to be. So we'll take a quick break. We come back. Monica Burke. to do anything else it is incredible i love it frizz free up your schedule with way go to the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com and enter the promo code heal squad for 15 percent off any product that's the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com promo code heal squad trust me you won't regret it um so monica you are the fear expert tell me what brought you to this work i suppose i got tired of being afraid myself really
2: i um I got to a point in my life where perhaps my worst fear came true and I hadn't realized that that would, that is what it was. And that was when my second child was born um, a few hours after his birth, we found out he had Down syndrome. And at that point in my life, I'd been living a spiritual existence. I understood cause and effect. I understood purpose Uh, But it really shook me and it made me reconsider everything that I thought that I knew. And even if you're living a conscious existence, which I think more and more people are today, or at least striving to do so, you often think that you know something until you're really challenged, right? To see how much you really understand it, how much you're really living it. I think often we learn things in life and we understand them in the way that we need to, to survive at the time. And so when that happened, um, I realized ultimately that the greatest fear that we all have, which is universal is fear of the unknown. And not only did I not know the child that was growing inside of me, right? We all assume we're going to have a healthy, typical child, but also then when he was born, who would he become? And all I heard on the day he was born was all the things that he wouldn't be able to do all of his limitations. And so I really had to challenge myself to first really remove fear and learn to eradicate fear. And then also understand that it's all an illusion. You know, who, after all, do we really know? We just don't find out about those things on the first day they were born, right? When they're 20, 30, even if it's not just your children, your friends, yourself even, right? You're like, oh my God, I thought I was something else, or I thought they were something else and I was wrong. So it really just made me change the way that I lived my life fully to be somebody who now calls herself a change junkie. and who really challenges any fear with the um, with the desire to really transform.
0: Oh my God, there's so much in there. I'm going to write Change Junkie down so we can get to that after. But um, when you say it's all an illusion, what do you mean? Because I I have a quote from a wrestler that I love. He's like, so what? Whatever, he, whatever someone would throw at him, he'd say, so what? Maybe it's an optical illusion. And so we <laughs> use that as like a primer and as a motivator for us. But what do you mean by it?
2: By the way, I love that you're quoting wrestling. I love that. <laughs> um, so um, I started studying Kabbalah when I was 17 years old. And one of the main tenets of Kabbalah is that we live in the illusionary world. There's something called the 1% reality versus the 99% reality or realm. So 1% reality is really what we all take very seriously and, and falsely, really, Um It's what we can see with our five senses, what we taste, hear, smell, things that attract us, things that we think are important. Ego falls into that category. And all of those things that we work really hard for, right, that people remember our names, that we will be known, whatever it is that really seems important to you. And then there's the 99% realm, which is all the things that we can't see. It's what's making it a possibility for us to speak in different cities or states, right? We know that there are waves and there's frequencies and we rely on them to work we don't really understand how they work we don't see them but we know they exist that's really the same thing the 99 realm is are the things that really matter it's rooted in kindness and empathy and growth and transformation and understanding that really the main goal of our existence is to leave this world very differently than how we came into it really that is our purpose and so when you start to live life in that way right you don't get stuck um, or uh, hopeless or settle for the wrong things in life.
0: So, yeah, because I guess if you're focusing on that evolvement, you know, that that evolvement only comes with pain, right? Like, unfortunately through pain is where your growth is going to come. So then maybe it makes it easier as those hurdles come, knowing that you're on that path.
2: Yes, but not just easier. It makes it something that you almost look forward to. And let me, let me unpack that a little bit because not everybody has to go through pain to change, but certainly those deep fundamental profound changes that occur more quickly and more immediately are the ones that really hurt us. Like the example I gave, right? Something we didn't expect in our wildest dreams of all the things that I was worried about in life happening. Certainly, that was never the one thought that I ever had, right? And all the other things we worry about actually never happen. Again, that's that illusionary existence where we end up wasting time, thought, and energy on absolutely the wrong things instead of pursuing the life we were meant to. So then what happens if you start to change your consciousness and shift your mindset from a fixed one to a growth mindset, then when things are difficult in small and big ways, then you're like, okay, well, there's an opportunity for me here. There's something that it's it's happening in my movie. I'm seeing it because there's a great way that I can grow and change because I'm meant to become better the best version, the most evolved version of myself, one that I can't even comprehend from who I am today. And if you preface it that way, I think it's really inspiring. And then when little things happen, like you missed your flight, um, and maybe that's not little for some people, but that's really little for me at this point or traffic, or even if your plans get changed right away, you're looking for, okay, what's the opportunity here. And when you practice that, you actually become very free. It's the most freedom I've ever experienced. For instance, I got a call the other day and I had an appointment and I was on another call and I could see on my phone that that was coming in and already I'm thinking oh I guess they're canceling and I was looking forward to it what am I going to put in that block of window that time now I could do something else like it's so automatic that I'm not even having an emotional reaction to the disappointment and and everybody can get to that place
0: wow okay before I forget changed junkie
2: The change junkie, um, it's interesting because I think most of us come into this world as a same junkie. You know, we want things to be the same. We work really hard to get the things that we have, right? It's how we're conditioned. It's the way that we grow up. It's the culture that we're in. So for instance, you know, you, you often, one would mirror their parents for good or bad. So if you Grew up in a home that didn't have that might seem like the most important thing is to have monetary things. Also, if a family placed high value on those things, you might also think that that is the ultimate currency for happiness in life. But in reality, you know, it, it's it's really a, a a life of curiosity and self exploration. It's about understanding that you are meant to go to places you cannot even comprehend or imagine. So. If you see it that way, then you wake up in the morning with the plan, you have goals, but then when they don't happen, then you realize, right, let's say it's a big goal. Well, maybe that wasn't supposed to be the outcome, but everything I learned in the process is really the purpose. Again, what an expansive way to live life. And I think that for most, again, we just fear change. And that's why fear and change go hand in hand because we think that, wait a second, I did really well in school. I got the best grades so I could go to the best school so I could drive a flashy car and have a nice home and have great things, but why am I still not happy? So everybody's gonna get to that point. Place in life. I don't care what you have, what you don't have, where you are not satisfied because it's never going to be enough. And that's the importance of having this kind of awareness and consciousness that change is the only constant in life. And therefore, I should really invest a lot of time into thinking about who I want to become, into getting more comfortable with things that will change because they will forever. Because guess what? If you think that things are going to stay the same when you turn 70 or even in your 50s, you're going to be like, wait a second, I never anticipated this part of my life and i'm really uncomfortable so as uncomfortable as change might be the change, the the stagnation right staying the same is by far more uncomfortable
0: so it sounds like you're getting a lot of your kind of happiness from change
2: yes and it doesn't seem like it should be like that it's quiet it's it's kind of upside down right but that's the truth because i'm not fighting what is instead i'm i'm looking for the gift and the opportunity
0: we were just talking about that um dealing with what is. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Um so you say there are three types of fear. Will you go through those for us? Yes. So there is healthy
2: fear, there is real fear, and there's illogical fear. Because I think it's really important also to be able to name your fear. When we put fear in one big bucket, it becomes very overwhelming. And then you don't know where to start. And then you you make it this big kind of mountain that's insurmountable. And then you just, you stay paralyzed in that fear, that emotion. So healthy fear is exactly like it sounds. It's set up for our survival and our protection. It's there to keep us safe. So for instance, if you were you're going on a hike and you walk too close to the edge of a cliff, right? Your heart starts racing, your stomach gets butterflies, you step back and it's there really to protect you. Same thing. If you go too close to an open flame, you have a reaction, all of those things, our bodies are set up in that way to keep us safe. Um, It's interesting because recently I did a workshop with teenagers on this idea. And I was really interested to see what kind of fears they had at age 13, 14, 16. And they have many of the ones that, Adults are stuck on like rejection, um, need for approval, wanting to be part of a group. But it makes sense because it goes back to ancestral times where if we really, for instance, were, you know, on our own we would die because we needed to be with a group to survive. So the idea and the fear of ostracize to be feeling ostracized makes sense. Right. But you have to know that in today we're just running on very old software. That's not, we can survive on our own. You know, we need to be with people obviously for loneliness. It's not very healthy, but um, again, those fears that come up for us are rooted in that. And my nine-year-old daughter was at that workshop and she said, I have a question. If we never knew the word fear, would we be afraid? Which I thought was pretty profound. And it goes back to that again, yes. DNA, ancestral things, for sure we would. So healthy fear, I'm okay with, right? It's there to protect us. And that's kind of connected to intuition, which we can go into in a minute. Um, Then there's real fear. Real fear is based in reality. It's being afraid of things like death or illness, or losing our loved ones. These are things that happen, right? But even with that fear, we can use it as a motivator for change. So if that's the case, let's say if we're afraid of illness, we can make sure we live a healthier lifestyle where we eat well, we sleep enough, we exercise, um, we get blood work done yearly, whatever that looks like for you. Or even if we are afraid of losing our parents, you know, spend the time really enjoying them, telling them you love them instead of complaining or you know, doing things begrudgingly, like really just to be there and be present. So with real fear, I'm okay with that too, as long as you understand how to use that energy in a way that is supportive. And then there's illogical fear. And this is where most of us are. We, 99% of our fears are illogical. It's the things that keep us paralyzed, that stop us from writing the book we want, that stop us from public speaking or, or saying our dreams outside or really exploring them. Um, it's fear of failure. It's fear of spiders and elevators and snakes. I mean, fill in the blank. That's, and that's the fear that we can eradicate because that does not serve us. That is there to really keep us small, and stop us from really changing and growing in the way we're meant to.
0: Keep us small. Kelsey, what were we just talking about yesterday? Literally that. Oh my this is God. Crazy. Um we're talking I'm a psychic tune. About... <laughs> it's just, it's that's very funny. It's I love it. Wild day. Yeah. So so I think a lot of us, you know, suffer with that. How do you get out of it?
2: So there's many tools. I think first you have to have the desire not to want to be in that place anymore. I think a lot of people go through life and they think that some are lucky and I'm unlucky. And you have to understand, and like all of those illusions, right? Those kinds of negative belief systems. The only thing that keeps you from seeing all the opportunities in front of you is fear. So obviously it's, you're going to feel unlucky because you simply cannot see what's right in front of you. There's been many tests of um you know they'd have a gorilla run in in the room you know a man dressed in a gorilla suit and they asked them to focus on something else and they were so focused on counting how many signs there were in the room they didn't even see the gorilla come in the middle of the screen and it it just gives another example of the, the illusionary world we live in we simply cannot see when our mind is preoccupied with something else so that's the first thing um the second why i hate multitasking i know (laughs) and you know i'm i'm actually i'm working on a third book and i'm really kind of struggling i have a lot more responsibility and i'm i'm kind of understanding now where i'm feeling like well i don't feel as efficient as i was but i'm like wait a second you're doing a thousand more things than you were and i'm also not wanting to do those things so i'm like in the middle of this but that's a whole different other topic
0: Mm -hmm. it's cleanup time I, i swear
2: um yeah so i'm in the middle of that but Uh, The first thing, again, I think is, is that, and then to name your fear, right? Um, If you're able to give a name to it, then it's not that scary because it's not again, somewhere out there in the unknown. And I'm afraid of everything because you're just reacting to a feeling right to your stomach, your heart racing, whatever the case may be. So it's really to identify it. I think also another tool is to create a fear mantra. So instead of, um, or rather an anti-fear mantra, Instead of, let's say you were afraid of public speaking. Instead of the, the thing in your mind over and over again is that people are going to think I'm a fraud or they're going to think I'm stupid or they're not going to understand me or we're going to make a fool of myself, right? We're very good at the negative dialogue that we have. Instead, the anti-fear mantra would be, I really believe in what I'm going to say. I have a strong desire to put myself out there in the universe. It's going to be great. And even if I reach one person, that's a first step, right? It's to get our, our, mm-hmm. our place... Our state to being not rooted in all of the negative and the fear and the what ifs, but rather, what is it that I want it to be?
0: That's funny. I just did a whole episode about kind of standing in your power and how I used I got my confidence from my intention when I spoke recently in public and it changed the entire game for me. And. And it was like mind-blowing the results. So I think those are great tools. I wonder if you could explain naming your fear a little bit more because am I naming an individual fear and how am I naming it? What does that process actually look like?
2: Well, you can give me an example of a fear you have if you want. I think that, um, again, I think people are just afraid of the unknown, right? Right. Um, will, will this happen to me? And it's usually the things Mm -hmm. that we're most terrified of. So I think instead of living in the past, right, we're afraid of something that had happened to us or something that we saw happen to somebody in our family living in that space. And instead of living in the future, well, what if this happens? What if it doesn't happen to really take your place, your, your, self to the, the place of the present. Where am I right now in this moment? What is within my control, right? There's many things we cannot control or influence at all. The one thing that you can is your perspective. It's how you view things. It's how you see your life. And I think that people underestimate that power. You, you know, a thought is just a thought and you can change that thought at any time, but you not, you must be willing to see it. So if you have a fear of, um, let's your say- kids we,
0: being born sick.
2: OK. Right. So I never had that fear. And, and that is ultimately what happened. I think that you need to get to a place where, again, in my life, there will be many things that I can control and many that I cannot. And that would be one of them. So you have to look at your life as a whole. Out of all of the things that I can do. Right. With this child being born the way they were living a life of fear. Right. And I remember when Josh, that's my, my second son. I was like what's going to happen when he goes to puberty who's going to help him cuz I had a fear of schizophrenia my my uncle became schizophrenic when i was 8 it seemed like it was overnight i thought it was contagious I used to hold my breath when I walked by him. And then for the rest of my life, until I wrote my book, when I would walk by homeless people who were speaking to themselves, even if I was on a long distance run and like deep into it, like in the 18th mile, I would hold my breath then. Like fear had a hold on me so tightly. And it does that for most of us, for all of us really, unless you challenge it. So when Josh was born, I remember thinking of all the things that he had to have why his mind, right? Because that was what I was afraid of, that I wouldn't be able to connect to him, that I wouldn't understand him. And I also had shame that he came from my body. And I'm speaking completely transparently because I was able to change all of that. When, he, when I caught all those thoughts, I thought, wait a second, as spiritual as you think you are, this is not the person that you wanna be and this isn't enough for you. I was shocked that that's where I had gone to in my mind. So I had to really reprogram the way that I thought, and really love myself even more deeply. And I don't ever feel shame or guilt or blame now. These are emotions that are never in my reality ever. So everything's possible, but you have to be willing to know, you have to believe that that's the truth. And then you need to be able to challenge your perspective. And there's questions you can ask yourself, like, you know, how can I I shift where I'm at for me to see that, you know, to not be a victim, And to see it as an opportunity, you know, you have to have this dialogue with yourself where you really become your best friend. You're like an investigator at the same time to really delve deep into why you're reacting the way you do to certain things.
0: So did you name your schizophrenia fear? Well, ultimately
2: what I understood with my, my big ones were, um, yeah, the first one was schizophrenia, right? That was the first time I really was just terrified, really. And and nobody explained it to me, none of the adults. And by the way, you know, as an adult now, I can tell you it wouldn't make me feel better because, you know, there's pre-genetic disposition. I feel like, oh my God, it would have still scared me in different ways. Um, And then I had anorexia when I was 17. And again, terrified. I, I was afraid of of never being happy, of never finding love, of never loving myself. But ultimately in all those fears, and then even with Josh, it's all come down to the fear of the unknown. What if this bad thing happens and I don't know what to do and I can't survive or I can't overcome it? That's really what fear is. I mean, you can think about any fear you have. What's the ultimate outcome we're afraid of is I will be alone, I will be sad, I will be hopeless and helpless. Mm -hmm. And none of that is true unless you let it be. So fear, honestly, like any emotion, especially any negative emotion, is there to make us aware of something we need to pay attention to. It's there as a tool and it's ultimately a gift. The problem is we give it too much energy. When a person's angry, they think, oh, I'm an angry person, I need anger management courses, or I'm sad, I need to go on antidepressants right away. And of course, there's a time and place for everything. I'm not saying for somebody who really has a severe diagnosis of anything, but for the most part, we can really challenge ourselves and say, okay, I'm not any of those things. I'm feeling those emotions. I'm not going to become the emotion. What is my opportunity here? What is my option? And that's why I named the book Fears on an Option because if fear is no longer an option, you're going to ask yourself what is.
0: Wow. So when Josh was born, was that when you, did you know before that he was gonna be born that way? No. So it was a surprise. It was a shock. Yes. So for someone who had been so spiritual and had been doing the work and I feel like I've been doing that same work I want to share with people what those initial times are like because I know I will still have moments when something hits where it takes me a minute to get back up like rocky hits you in the face or Tyson hits you in the face, you get knocked down might take a minute to get back up and get back into your, your flow. Um, what was that like for you and, and how long did it take you to kind of find your way back? Or did you not? I don't know.
2: Well, I love the question because I think that when you get knocked down, the, the idea is to get yourself back up, but to get yourself back up in a different way. I don't think that Rocky or Tyson would do the same exact move again because they had learned something from it. Right. And and they learned it because, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think that doing this would lead to that outcome. Now, I didn't do anything to have a child with a disability. Um but what I understood is that I am forever changed by this moment and what my free will is, what my option is in that moment is to decide how I'm going to be changed. And that's the powerful idea there. And that's what everybody can come to. So first understand that you will forever be changed by a life quake, any life quake you go through big or small, a change is going to occur. Your life will never be the same from anything, right? Even, If you run into something so mundane, you run into somebody in the street and you have a small exchange and you have a thought that you didn't have before, we're changed all the time by different experiences. So in understanding that, I decided that I wasn't going to be a person that felt helpless and hopeless and like a victim. I also decided that I wasn't going to be a person that was going to live her life in fear for the rest of her life because this scary thing happened to her. Instead, I decided to embrace Josh and embrace myself. And I got really excited about discovering who he could become and subsequently who I would become as being his mother. And it was the most profound, powerful change I have ever experienced. It changed me as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, as a teacher, I I never would have been a public speaker or an author or as empathetic as I am able to be now, which again, to where I wanna be ultimately, I hope I'm not even scratching the surface today. But that's the key. I think it's not just... How do I get up? It's to understand fully, you are now changed. What do you want to change into?
0: As a first time mom of the baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> You know, it's, there's so much self-help. There's so much information out there. And I feel like we all feel like we have to be perfect at all of it and at all times. And, you know, those tools that we put in our belt, we're supposed to pull them out and just be amazing and just keep on going. And so I I share it because I know that no matter what kind of expert you are or how high up on the guru list you are, you are going to get knocked down. But I've never heard anybody say what you just said which is you are changed and who do you want to change into? Um, Because I have life altering moments where I, I look back at a photo and I remember that moment was my last moment of that life where it's like, I remember this shot of me on the set of e-news hosting and I'm wearing these pink uh, red pants with a pink top and I'm super happy. And the next day my mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma And I look back at that photo all the time. And there's definitely a loss because that girl now has a whole new burden. And I know that a lot of us have those moments and I've had (laughs) more since uh, where I'll look back and be like, oh, more, more loss in those moments. But there is gain it just takes a second to get there and it takes a second to figure out what that gain is. You know, one of my favorite quotes that I learned at Tony Robbins was life is happening for you, not to you. Mm -hmm. And that's been an incredible tool in the challenging times, but I never want anybody to think that they're a failure in those moments when they are down and they are grieving those moments because it's hard.
2: I love your vulnerability and I, I love what you're saying. It's such a great, it's, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. I look back at photos too. And it's interesting because people lost, actually the book I'm working on, it was called Change Junkie and now it's Change, Grief and Loss because I lost my father a year ago and he had a cognitive decline for eight years before that, which you know, he was different every time I met him pretty much. And sometimes he knew me and sometimes he didn't. Um, And then a year before that, I lost my mother-in-law who was also my spiritual mentor. So you know, you are changed by every experience. And sometimes, like I said a little bit earlier in our conversation, I'm in the middle of a little bit of a lifequake and I'm not really, I don't feel fully grounded yet. You know, I even ruptured my tendon eight months ago because I felt, so, I mean, it's body, mind and spirit, right? And I was like, I need to move forward, but I'm, I want to go back and I'm not, you know, it was that internal struggle. And um, and I always say to people, I don't want to be anybody's guru I I don't have everything figured out. I think I put a lot more energy perhaps into doing this work than maybe many. And it's my sole desire really. And that's what drives me every single day. You know, when I wake up, when I go to sleep, um, but I'm not above life experiences. None of us are. It's, it's, you know, we're all humans doing the best that we can and it's going to be messy and it's meant to be messy. And, It's how it's the, you know, if you look at like um, when my little one went to kindergarten, her teacher would always say, a great day is a messy day. And I think that's absolutely true. You know, (laughs) if you mix all the colors together and, and you have no idea what you're painting and then you look at it and you're like, wow, that looks really great. I never saw those two colors mixed exactly like that ever. And you'll see something beautiful you could never see before, especially in yourself. And then you feel really great in your skin. And then no matter what happens, everything kind of makes sense.
0: Mm, I love that. I love life quake too. Yeah. That's a a great way to kind of categorize different moments. Yes, (laughs) I like that. I'm in a life quake right now. It'll be fine, but I'm in a life quake. Yeah. Come back in a week. I think also, you know,
2: it's, it's human nature. We come into the world and we think that nothing bad. I don't like the word bad, but nothing that we don't want will ever happen to us. And then of course, as you get older, you're like, well, yeah, no, that's just not true. And this happened and that happened. But then as you get older and older and you experience more and more things, you know, you really need to try to work on having this growth mindset, because if not, it's, it's really easy to live a life where you just feel quite unhappy and stuck and unsatisfied.
0: And out of control and, Mm -hmm. and victim Mm -hmm. too, right? Because you know, whenever something bad happens or challenging happens, um, I know that there's something better on the other side. doesn't mean I can fully wrap my arms around it in the first moments, but I know that something better is on the other side. And, and I know that when you are on these kind of deep growth paths, more is going to probably happen to you because you're meant to get to the other side and show people that new four minute mile or whatever it is, that new way to go through things. Like I laughed my way through a brain tumor. I tell people all the time, like I used comedy through the whole thing and I showed people that there was another way to go through something that was really challenging is like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Sit here and cry about it. I'm just gonna, you know, use comedy must rule. That was the, that was the new line in the house. (laughs) That was very,
2: very brave.
0: Thanks. Well, I knew mine was probably not cancerous and my mom's was, so I knew what real bad was. And, you know, I think that, I think that sometimes more is going to happen. Like my dad will say, sometimes he'll start to break down and he'll say, why so many things to our family, Maria? And I'm like, dad, I'm like, cause we have more and why, why not us? Everybody's going through stuff. And that's the other thing I think we all think. We all think it's just us. And when you look around, whether you know everything or not, because by the way, everybody doesn't know everything. There are so many struggles that people are going through, whether it's publicly, privately, um, and, and they'll never tell you, or maybe they'll tell you some of them and not all of them, but everyone's got them. There's no one who's going to come out of this life without problems and challenges.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, and that's why I speak so candidly, and I, it sounds like you do as well about the things that have happened to me and vulnerably. And people are like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, I, you know, me sharing that didn't actually, I, I felt didn't change anything for me because I I went through it and I understood something from it, and I want to help people give themselves permission to be able to do that for themselves also. So for me to share anything really that's very deep and personal is like telling you I have brown hair. It's not. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> I understand the the bigger reason for it. And I think yeah. to your point, you know, we're all so we're more similar than we are different. And instead we just focus on the differences. And what a what a shame, really, because we have so much that we can offer one another and learn from each other. And um as you we were speaking, I remember uh when so when after I had Josh, I got pregnant with my third child three months later. And I did that intentionally because I thought that I would if you know i was so consumed i was very anxious at the time i thought if i give this too much time i might be too afraid to actually get pregnant again um and or my body will just get that feedback anyway even if i try and it just won't happen right so i i dove straight into it and um I thought, you know, I want to change my OBGYN. My doctor was amazing, but I just, it was very fresh, right? And I didn't like the way he handled it like in the days after, but it wasn't his fault. And he was a really great doctor, but I thought, okay, well, let me just shop around a bit. So I went to three different doctors. One was so old. I wasn't sure he'd still be alive by the time I gave birth. <laughs> um, the second one smelt of like anchovies. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even stand the appointment. I was like, absolutely not. And then the third was the most entertaining at my expense. Um, so I walk into her office and she has frog figurines all over her office, like on the shelf, on her coat, on her desk, like everywhere, like hundreds staring at me. Right. <laughs> and I go on to tell her about my history and, um, you know, that I have, a, I have two children already and pregnant with my third and I just given birth and Josh and the whole thing. and. She looks at me and my husband was sitting next to me and she says, You with your shit luck, no more baby for you. And I look at her and I'm like, I'm thinking, wait, she doesn't understand maybe that I am actually pregnant already, right? So I said, No, 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 I'm pregnant, baby. I'm pregnant already.
0: Be nice. And, (laughs) And she's like,
2: no more baby for you. I was like, I cannot, my husband left the room. He was laughing so hard. He just like literally walked out of the office and I'm just standing there like stunned really. And I ended up <laughs> going back to my other doctor, but I think Wait, that she, she meant it? Oh, she absolutely meant it. I don't know what she wanted me to do, but yeah, she, and I, yeah, she did because she believed in this idea of lucky versus unlucky. And to <sighs> your point with your father, like, you know, that's not that, you're unlucky or why is this happening? It's that things are going to happen in life and it's our responsibility and our, our choice really to say, okay, how can I derive some kind of purpose, some kind of meaning from this, something, some light in it because I can't change what is. Certainly we can do things to get rid of disease and to get rid of, but just to, to be able to stay in a state that is connected and joyous is so important.
0: Wow. Oh, my God. I can't even believe you had to go through that. Yeah. Talk about like trying to move past fear uh-huh. and then being slapped in the face by a doctor with it. Uh-huh. That's intense.
2: But I I took your approach. I was like, I'm going to laugh about this. And <laughs> she's nuts. And that, that's it. You know, um, but certainly if I had still been in that victim state at that time, I probably would have been like, oh, my God, she's right. You know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this?
0: Do you feel, or, or can you explain how Josh has changed you and, and um, yeah, I'll ask the second one after.
2: In so many ways. I mean, I think that all the things that I've studied through Kabbalah, he really allowed me to experience it and understand it more fully. he's an example for me of what's real. He's part of the 99% realm and he puts in clear focus for me, what all the other illusions are about. And, um, I'm writing children's books. Uh, I'm very inspired by, by my family and in a creative way. So I wrote my, we've written 10. So the first wow. one's coming out in the fall. That's um, a lot. I know I'm like that. If When I get something, when I get excited about something, I'm like really excited and then I'm all in and then I push pause and I, obviously I'll release them slowly, but you know, strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Um, so the first book is called the gift of being different. And that's about my youngest Abigail, who got diagnosed with dyslexia a year ago. And it's about really embracing the things that you feel ashamed about because she admitted that she felt stupid or whatever we, cause we all have that, whether you have a diagnosis or not, right? And to really understand that your uniqueness is your superpower and to really embrace that. So the second book is about uh, kindness and it's really also about down syndrome. So what Josh taught me is that, you know, for most of us, we take for granted all the things that we can do automatically, right? Like tie our shoes, drive a car, live independently. And um, Josh can tie his shoes, but he can't do the other two and perhaps he won't be able to. Um, But what he has naturally is kindness. And we have to work very, very hard to even be a little bit like him. Mm -hmm. So who, who really has it backwards here? You know, he's, he really is the kindest human I've ever seen. If he was starving and he was about to take his first bite of food and he saw that you were hungry and he didn't have, he would give you his plate gladly without a second thought
0: so pure. I went to um I stumbled upon a little restaurant here in Connecticut. Uh it's called the Victorian and they We're hire in Connecticut. people. Uh I think it was called Plainfield, Connecticut actually. And they hire it's part of a 501c3 and they hire people with different kinds of disabilities. Beautiful. And it was the most beautiful experience and um It was just like, I was just filled with like pureness everywhere, serving the food, coming up to say, hello, how are you doing? And of course the food was amazing too, to boot, which is like, oh, okay. Um, But it was really such a beautiful experience. And I I grew up with someone with Down syndrome in my church. And so I've had a lot of experience with it and it is, it's just pure. Um, They're pure and so he's a
2: reminder for me every day of like, you know, his day it would be, he, he'd have a fulfilling day if he just made somebody feel good in that day or just, you know, good morning, giving a hug, like in the, in the simplicity, in the most beautiful way, like we, that's, those are all the things that we have to remind ourselves to do. You know, we're mostly ruled by ego in and out of every single day. And, uh, so I think that's the the biggest gift that he gives me daily. But bigger than that in a, in a big picture way, um, it's like he put an imprint on me that really did change me. I, I don't think that I'd be living the life the way that I am if I had not had him. I don't I know my marriage wouldn't have been what it is. We're going on twenty five years in August if we didn't have Josh, but we chose that because if you look at statistics, most families who have a child with special needs end up in divorce because it's too much pressure. For us, it broke down any barrier that we had. We were vulnerable in a way that we never would have been able to if we had not had that shared experience. He's also been such a gift to his siblings. They didn't know that he had Down syndrome uh, until they discovered it for themselves because we didn't raise him any differently. We never treated him like he was different. And I remember when my oldest was about 10, I mean, he's an Aquarius, so he's kind of flighty anyway. But he was like, why is Josh different? And you know, how come you can't do this or that? And I, I did preface it with, and I do believe this, that, you know, you're better at, you know, riding a bike and he's better at basketball. And it, everybody's great at different things, but Josh also has an extra chromosome. So we talked about that and they were surprised and shocked. Um, you know, and then they were like, okay, and that was that.
0: Yeah. Wow that's really amazing. I, I, I love that it brought you guys closer together. Um, and you're now able to do so much with it. Like those children's books will help so much and so many people that's so neat. Um, and do you still have any, I mean, I know you said it doesn't live in you anymore, but have you, does it ever sprout up a little fear about his future?
2: No about Josh. Never, never. Wow. Thought, you know, I'm still human, so there will be fears. Um, but what I do is I I challenge them immediately because when you don't do that, you tend to wear them and then you wear another one, you wear another one. And before you know it, you have this big load of, of heaviness walking around with you through all of your days. So whenever mm-hmm. I'm afraid of something, anything like we went skiing, I'm an OK skier. I don't ski enough to really ever get that comfortable, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good skier. Um so I, I took I take lessons every time because I, I actually love to exercise and I love exercising daily more than I do skiing. So I'm like, I'm not going to get injured here. But I remember the last time I went on the last day, we went on a higher um, mountain and a more difficult run. And um, and I was scared and I I fell a little bit and then I recovered. And when we got down, he's like, OK, great. It was that, the end of the trip. Right. He's like, you know, th- it was really nice meeting you. And I'm like, no, let's go do it again. He said, what? And I said, no, no, let's go do it again. He said, I've never had anybody in your like at your level who did this want to do that again. And I said, well, if I don't, then I'm going to be afraid next time. So it's, it's about that. I think, um, you know, seeing my father uh, and my mother-in-law I was there when they passed and I helped them um, in many ways. And I was really strong But I think now that they're not here and the the residue of that, you know, there's a little fear there I'm working through, but, but the point is, I'm not going to let it become a fear. I'm going to, I'm still trying to find out what is it exactly that I'm uncomfortable about and why. And so again, I'm using it as an exploration and self-discovery to help me get to the next level of growth I'm meant to get to. I understand that. I see that process.
0: I love that. Um, Kels, Pooj, in the booth, anything? that you guys are wanting to ask?
1: You know, I guess if we kind of like, if we start to identify our fears, right? What's kind of, or what are some tools to then like go about releasing them?
2: Okay. Um, Okay. So when we have identified them, I think that again, everything's body, mind and spirit. So I think it's really important to be able to use all parts of ourselves. There's something called the Superman pose when you're feeling like you're afraid. Oh, no, you. exactly! Yes. Isn't that wonderful? No, 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 no. it's any superpower. You can be oh, okay. men, Superman, yeah. and you hold yourself upright. Your spine is straight. You're breathing more freely. You actually get the confidence, um, and you feel differently. I think also be aware of your environment and how you are in different spaces. You know, are you hunched over? Is your breathing shallow? Are you feeling insecure, uncomfortable? It means that there's something there for you to look at. You should be able to be in a state where breath comes easily, where you feel really comfortable in your body. So get the indications from all aspects of your being. Meditation comes in as a big tool, breath work, and of course, um, exercise. And I think that if you start your day with, I've identified one kind of thing that I want to work on, there's something called exposure. So go and do a little bit of that and pick the best time of the day. So let's say you're afraid of driving on the freeway. Don't start driving for an hour during rush hour traffic and I'm going to conquer this fear. That doesn't make any sense. Instead, pick a time where they're like, 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock, go from one exit to the next exit. And that's it for the day. Just practice it in small ways every day.
1: I love that. I love the wonder woman. We just had, um, we re-ran Amy Cuddy. Cuddy, Exactly. And I think that that's, it's such a good tool, such Mm -hmm. a good tool. I know Pooch had one too. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering what happens when we ignore fear. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm a little bit sick.
2: (laughs) I'll feel better. Um, I, I recommend never ignoring fear because it's, you know, it's like those things that we keep secret, we leave them in the dark. They just grow and grow and they have a hold on us. Um, So why leave fear unaddressed? What's why? Like for me, that doesn't even seem like a, a choice really. Like that's not even an option because if you have a fear, great what an opportunity, you know, Mm -hmm. what is it that really scares you? And if you use that, the the thing we talked about at the beginning, you know, rate your fears, write down three of the greatest fears you have. And I suggest for your listeners to do this and um, write them down in detail. The ones that really you wake up with that go with you day to day. And then next to it, write down real healthy, real logical. Now you might need my help or my book. You can get to really help you make sure that you're right with the answer, but most people put them in the wrong order. They think they're not illogical when in fact, most all of them happen to be. And then once you look at that, you're like, okay, so I understand that this is completely something I can get over. And even if it was a real fear or you, you could still transform it. So I think it's just look at the things that scare you. Do not be afraid. There's nothing. I mean, nothing's going to feel worse than you
0: feel right now. Pusha, do you have a fear that you've been ignoring? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure there is one. <laughs> Maybe when I'm, when I'm more in the moment, I, I'll I'll think about it. But um, but yeah, I was just wondering in general because I mean we all have fears.
2: And but you can't even really ignore fear, right? You, you yeah, can, uh, you can do nothing about it, but believe me, it's the one thing that you're thinking about every day. And that's mm-hmm. why that's very ineffective. Because or
0: maybe not voicing it because you're scared or embarrassed to voice it. Maybe that's what you're saying, Push,
1: Yeah. I think that's probably more what it is. Like when you just, you want to push it down push so it down, bad, yeah, but as you don't we feel know, it. yeah, mm-hmm. like it'll always find a way to present itself. Or you're scared of the repercussions, you know, if you do speak. Right. Well,
2: I love all of that. That's why I really like workshopping with people because I don't think there's any scenario where it would ever make sense. And I think it's just choosing which kind of world you want to live in and what kind of life you want to live. I lived the first part of my life really caring what people thought about me and trying to fit in and belong and make other people happy. And I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And then I decided, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll starve myself to death. (laughs) When I realized that that's not the best thing to do. I had to really start to raise the volume of my own desires. And part of that is, it's, is sharing even the things that you're not so proud of. And in doing that, I really started to choose myself over others. And that was a game changer.
0: So that sounds like the work we were doing with um, Judy Wilkins Smith yesterday from about going big, right? Not playing small anymore. So as you went from small to big, what changed i mean did you did relationships change in your life you know what the the
2: main thing that changed i really felt comfortable in my own skin because you know i tried to make myself small to make other people feel bigger and those people actually kind of demanded that of me in a polite kind of way right but yes And I woke up, I started waking up depressed most days, which is not like me. And I thought, wait a second, this is not worth it. And by the way, no matter what I did, it didn't work. I was damned if I did, I was damned if I didn't. And so I just thought, okay, you know what? Haters are going to hate. People will always say bad things. Um, when you're trying to affect change in your life and others and do great things, you're going to have more people paying attention to you, criticizing you. And it just goes with the territory. So I realized it was an impossibility to be perfect and to try to please. And I just decided I'm not living my life anymore like that. I chose me and then choosing me, it was just, you know, a freedom. Again, all of this, all of this stuff came along with it and change. There's great power, freedom, flexibility, fearlessness, sisterhood, by the way, when you choose you, you're become a kinder person. You actually become a sister to many other people because you want that for them. It just changes everything. It's living an authentic life.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of us are afraid it'll be lonelier. And it was funny between my husband and even Judy yesterday, like no, no, no more people want to be around you because you are really living your authentic self, trying to cover it and hide it and mask it. And you know, shape shift for everybody around you isn't you being really you.
2: No, it's you being them. How boring yeah. is that, right?
0: Oh my God, I'm so over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Monica, this has been amazing. I'm really, really grateful that um, you are on this week along with Judy and on the tail of uh, our Dr. Joe a week because we've been doing a lot of this work and. I know the hill squats going to really resonate with this episode and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing everything. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our talk. Wow. That was uh pretty amazing as well. Another great episode. Seriously. A lot in there. Right.
1: A lot. I liked, um, kind of how you went on it too. I really liked learning like through her and like her journey and like with her mm-hmm. son. Um, I always think that sometimes it's like, when someone has so much knowledge, right. It's like hard to take it all in, but when you learn it through like a story or an experience, it's easier to digest. So I really, Mm -hmm. I really liked that. And I want to listen to this one again, because I feel like there was just a lot of really good stuff in there. And I loved lifequake too. I wrote that down. I was like, yeah,
0: it's always about the story, right? Because otherwise it's just advice and it's just information. That's why I share so much of myself on this show because that's how I know I learn best. And I think overall, we all learn best by seeing examples, right? If You yeah. see it, you can be it. Um, and you can apply it so much easier, whatever it is. Agreed. Um, but I think, uh, I think fear is a huge thing for a lot of us and illogical fear, like she said, and that was a big thing with Dr. Joe that I was able to let go of where I was like, oh my God, I'm stressing about things that I do not need to stress about. Like I was saying with Judy yesterday, I've been stressed about money (laughs) my whole life. I don't need to be stressed about it (laughs) because I work really, really hard and it's not the same scenario. And that's where I think that generational kind of stuff, the traumas and the blueprints are so important to understand because those were my parents' struggles and issues, And yes, I was a part of them because I lived that life of struggle with them, Um, but they set up a path for me to not have those same struggles. And yes, like, you know, we're always going to have, you know, situations and scenarios where like, oh gosh, you know, we can't do everything we want or whatever, but we don't have to live in the scarcity that isn't ours and um and we have to be able to look at things a little bit more practically and and less from fear and you know and just again the reinforcement of the like living big uh, and taking stock of the people you have around you and realizing am i able to be the full expression of myself around these people right like I'm not afraid of you when you're big Kelsey and you're happy, go lucky self. I love it. I think it's amazing. Right. Yeah. But maybe there are people in your life who try to dim that because they can't handle it or they don't like it. Right. That was what I was so attracted about with you. I was like, Oh my God, she's just light. This is amazing. I want that around me every day. And, and, you know, you just have to kind of look around and am I having to to dim myself, right? Is this person getting jelly if I look good around them? Um, Or if I am sharing an accomplishment, are they happy for me? Or do I feel some kind of weird tension? And you just have to trust it. And unfortunately, yeah, we're gonna have to shake those trees sometimes of the apples that went bad. Maybe they were good for a while, uh, but maybe they just aren't, you know, aren't okay anymore.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point too. It's like relationships, like you've been talking about things, like things evolve and things change. Right. It's like at one point they served, uh, they, they served for the time, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, then you do, you do have to reevaluate. And I think that like, we're so used to playing small, like we're so used to fitting in these boxes because that's what makes us, you know, not stand out and not be heard and all this, but it's like, Mm -hmm what's the point of that? Like, Ooh, it eats you up inside. So yeah, I think got all of this. I mean, this whole week, it's, it's all so good.
0: Like I feel like, well, yeah, if so you much. stand out, you might get hurt. And mm-hmm. that's where I feel like for so long, I'm like, let me just stay in my turtle shell. That's what I always said. Let me just stay in my turtle shell. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just over here. Just let me stay in the turtle shell. And <laughs> not please don't hurt me. I've had enough, but it's not, for me, I know not what I'm meant to do. And I don't think any of us are meant to do it, to be honest. So, um, we have to be around people who see us and lift us and love us and want the best for us. And by the way, sometimes that comes with, you know, uh, tough advice you don't want to hear. Right. Mm Um, Kevin's always giving me tough criticisms and advice, but why not because he's knocking me down. It's because he wants to lift me up. He wants me to go and reach my fullest and Mm -hmm. highest potentials. Right. Um, and that's what I do with people around me too. It's like, it's for you and your life. Um, and you know, I've gone through so much and experienced so much that I do have so much to share at this point.
1: Absolutely. Oh, it's so good. I think, well, we all need it. We, and we also all, we, I don't know. Everyone, everyone needs someone who, if you're, if you always have people around you who are like, you're amazing. <laughs> like, that so you don't go that way. So yeah, I think that we all need the, the tough, you know, the, the tough love and the, the advice and I don't know, all of it. And so I think the thing with um, kind of like what Monica was saying with the fear stuff. And I liked when Pooja asked that at the end too, because I think, I don't know. I, I was thinking maybe we can ignore fear, but she's like, you like, you can't ignore it. Like it's, it's there. And so, well,
0: it wouldn't be there. You wouldn't know it if it wasn't there. Right. Right. That's right. why I think she said you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. But I think there are fears that we don't want to express because we're embarrassed. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Um, Ashamed of it. Yeah. So I think that that's a thing for sure. But I think this is such a challenge for all of us. And I think, I'll issue the challenge now is is really start to look at how you've dimmed yourself and why and around who make that list and then let's see what happens when you are your full expression of yourself around them right
1: mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah and what then, happens
0: exactly and then you'll kind of know if you didn't for sure know before here's the litmus test <laughs> test it out and now you know and then you can slowly distance yourself and find the people that are going to be able to hold that light. Right. And, um, and see you and respect you and appreciate you. And, and it might take a minute. Um, but Kevin always tells me, he's like, you don't need anybody. It's like, all you need is you. And it's true. Everything that we need is inside of us already. Um, and I do believe Judy, when she says, we will be attracting all the right people. The second we start kind of filling those shoes in, in a real way. I agree. So very cool week, really, really excited. Um, And uh, thank you all for being on this journey as always with us. This is what we do every single day. If you go to mariamenunos.com, we have the life hacks blogs, and what those blogs are, are the breakdown of these episodes so that you have everything that we deemed kind of the aha moments and the big takeaways. So what I like about it is like, maybe you print it out, take a picture of it, keep it in your you know iPhone folder as like your breakthroughs um, from the episodes that you love, things you want to go back and look at when you're on the train and you're bored and you want to go back into your work, um, go check those out. In the meantime, also... Uh, we have other things on there, like our shop page <laughs> to entice you. I uh, love the shop the, page. The Ilya eyebrow stuff, Kelsey has the picture of it. It's blonde and it's bomb. And so it's on our shop page officially or it's about to be.
1: What's? Yep, it is now. Mm-hmm.
0: The tinted brows. Yep. I think this might be my favorite brow product of <laughs> life. <laughs> I
1: love that. So, I was shocked
0: that it was blonde, but... Uh, yeah well i don't like anything dark so because it just is too much on the brow so this is just a hint of of color and so you don't have to do all the painting it the you know the penciling in and stuff and the preciseness of it just kind of follow your brow i love it
1: the other thing i want to say quickly on the website that i'm excited about is we have a search bar on there now you guys so it's I don't know, you go, you're looking for a blog on relationships and you can't find it. You're like having to scroll. You can go to the top and there's a search bar now. So I'm stoked about that because I think that that's going to be massively helpful. So. Oh
0: yeah. Just so, so good. All right, friends, that's it for us today. Uh, You know the drill, be nice people, make good choices and be present.